I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, and this is our third class in the book of Acts with intention to cover Acts chapter 3 during this recording. I remind you that this is a summary approach, not a verse-by-verse exposition. I'll give you some fast facts as we begin, and then we'll continue our journey through the book of Acts with chapter 3. Our approach to the book of Acts this time, one chapter per class. Fast facts. Luke wrote this to Theophilus. This is about the early days of the church after Jesus ascended back into heaven. After chapter 2, there is an existing kingdom which can be called the church of Christ, the body of Christ. It is composed of of believers who repented and were baptized and who are now continuing steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. All of this, we must remember, all of this made possible by the life and death of Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, offering salvation to us by the grace of God. Acts chapter 3, the preaching of of the gospel continues just as Jesus commanded. Listen, please, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter detected his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who was set at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. It will be good here to remember that the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit, And one result of that was the ability to perform miracles. Miracles were not performed for sensational purposes or theater. Healing miracles were never intended to remove all illness from all of humanity. Apostolic miracles were to establish these men were true messengers sent by God to spread the gospel of Christ. Think of miracles as credentials. Now, here's an interesting case where a man wanted money 
While Peter and John had some money, they were not distributors of benevolence. The church was not a charitable institution for the world. What could happen was something far better. One of these miracles which enabled this man to walk and praise God. The people of Jerusalem who saw this were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And this, of course, was a demonstration that Peter and John were not ordinary religious teachers. They were commissioned by God. They were apostles of Jesus Christ. So now it was time for preaching. I'm in Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you kill the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers... I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. I want us to notice how Peter and John used this event 
to preach the gospel. The crowd gathered in the portico called Solomon's. Peter wanted to make it very clear the power they had witnessed was not theirs. He said, why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter essentially says about this miracle, we're not the source. This is not about us. This is about God. This is about Christ. This is about the truth from heaven. And then Peter preaches. Take a closer look at Peter's sermon. His first point, the God of the Old Testament is the God of Jesus Christ, and he has glorified his servant, Jesus Christ. His second point, but you have denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you kill the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Right away, Peter puts two facts together. God has glorified his servant, Jesus. But Peter says to the crowd, you've killed him. So simple, yet exactly what Peter needed to say to the Jewish people in Jerusalem who crucified Christ. Then Peter connects the miracle to the source again, to Jesus Christ. He says, by faith in his name has this man been made whole or strong. Now, verse 17, Peter says, They acted in ignorance, the people who took Jesus to the cross. The leaders who had him executed were not acting on knowledge but ignorance. That did not make it all right. They should have known the Messiah who was identified in their scriptures, the Old Testament. See, if they didn't know the Christ, they should have, and thus they were guilty of sin. What must happen then is repentance. Verse 19, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. The focus here is on everything they needed to know and to do, one thing at a time. And at this point, the emphasis is on repenting of their sin. Starting at verse 15, listen to how this is so emphasized. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. See that emphasis on faith. And then the next emphasis is on repentance. Verse 19, repent therefore, down through verse 22. There is no reason to read this and be confused or bothered that baptism is not front and center or assembling to worship or prayer. It is not Peter's purpose in this sermon at this point to cram everything in that they would need to know the rest of their lives. Here the focus here the focus is on convicting them of their sin and making certain they understand that the miracle they've just observed, the source was God. Peter and John were not the source. The source was God. And then telling them, because of Christ's suffering and death, 
they can repent and turn and have their sins blotted out. Additional information we believe would be given. The refreshing blessings God promised to Abraham, all spiritual blessings these murderers can have if they will repent, if they'll change, do everything involved in repentance and every expression of faith. That's what this is about. That's the thrust of this. Now, let's see what this reference is to Moses. This is an important part of Peter's sermon, 22 to 26. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Peter is quoting from the Old Testament, a passage in Deuteronomy 18. <clears throat> Moses had issued a prophecy that God would raise up Jesus. The prophecy given to the Jews contained this imperative. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And then a warning. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Perhaps an allusion to the destruction of Jerusalem. What I want us to see is Peter targets their sin of ignorance. He cites what Moses said as proof they were not paying attention, but Peter tells them they can now repent and listen to Jesus and do what Jesus said. After all, Jesus was raised to be the Messiah and then raised from the dead after they put him to death. Listen to him and he can turn you from all your wickedness. Faith, repentance, and everything faith and repentance would involve in practical expression is implied throughout these challenges Peter gave to the Jews. Just a couple of other notes before our takeaways. A look at that phrase in verse 26, sent him to you first. Now, this sets up something that becomes more apparent as we go through the book of Acts. The gospel was taken to the Jews first, then the Gentiles. As we move toward chapter 10, that will become clear. It was God's plan. I'll mention the phrase in verse 21 also. The restoring of all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Well, a lot of discussion focuses on this. In my view, this is simply saying everything God had in mind and everything God planned about the king and his kingdom, all the salvation benefits are intended to come to the lives of people who change. Times of refreshing 
have to do with all the good one receives through Christ when there is a response to him. I'm not inclined to make this some mysterious prophecy, rather a general reference to the good received when people respond to the gospel of Christ. Takeaways. I believe it is significant the apostles and other preachers we read about in the New Testament were not expected to be distributors of charity to everybody. I alluded to this earlier. I'm looking at that phrase in verse 6, I have no silver and gold. The older translation, silver and gold have I none. I don't think that says Peter and John were entirely broke. We have indication back in chapter 2 that Christians were collecting their possessions and belongings, pooling their resources. So it wasn't that Peter and John were broke. What this says is they were not in the business of becoming a charitable organization to deal with poverty in general around the world. People today expect churches to distribute money. What we distribute is the Word of God. Number two, miracles were not the center of attention. Jesus Christ was. The apostles, we will see all through Acts, did not just travel around and heal everybody. Miracles were not given through the Holy Spirit for the apostles to wipe out all earthly illness. You know, I think some people have the idea that these apostles and these evangelists in the book of Acts that we read about were to go around and take care of all poverty and all illness. No, no, these men were to distribute the most important message and blessings anyone could hear about and receive by faith, the gospel of Christ, the salvation of their souls. Miracles served as credentials that these men were God's messengers. Number three, Jesus is given an interesting designation in verse 15, the author of life. That's true in two senses. He was with God, actively involved in the work of creation, according to John 1 and Hebrews 1. Through his death, spiritual life is offered to those who obey him. I said it that way because of Hebrews 5 and verse 9. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus is also called servant the Holy and Righteous One, the Prophet. Every name given to Jesus helps enrich our knowledge of what he can mean to us. Number four, I like that part of Moses' prophecy. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. Even in Old Testament prophecy, not only did God tell about Jesus in advance, God made it clear people would need to listen to him and do what he says. So already we have listening, believing, obeying Jesus in order to benefit from the salvation purchased on the cross. Turning from wickedness. Of course, here's something else made very clear. Repentance. That is acknowledging your sin, making the choice to quit, to stop, 
and making a clear break from your sin, bearing therefore the fruit of repentance. When you hear preachers talk about hearing, believing, obeying Christ to be saved, men didn't just make that up. It's right here in the book of Acts, and it's everywhere in God's word. So that completes our study of Acts chapter 3. Coming up next, class content for November 25, and that will be Acts chapter 4. And that video will be posted here at least a day in advance on November the 24th. Thank you for being with us.